Good afternoon and thanks for joining us for the latest Auto Retail Live webinar in association with Keyloop, looking at technology in retail. Automotive retail, like every other sector, has been on the road to create a seamless customer journey, connecting the online and offline experience. Of course, lockdowns and the showroom closures during the dark days of COVID accelerated the development and adoption of technology without which businesses couldn't trade. So three years on, how are we doing? Post-pandemic, has the digital transformation changed customer behaviour? And what practical steps do retail businesses need to follow to meet those customer expectations? Joining us today on our webinar, we have James Smullen from Waylands, Charlotte Murray from Marketing Delivery, and the CEO of Keyloop, Tom Kilroy. It's a conversation, of course, so please do feel free to ask questions, challenge something that's said during our conversation, or share a tip or experience. You can do that using the dialog box below, uh, or you can use Twitter, the hashtag ARNLive, all one word, hashtag ARNLive. Our aim during our time together this afternoon is to provide you with insight that will help your business, uh, which may be in planning around consumer and customer behavior in marketing, or it could be a specific action uh, that you take away from the session. So if there's a colleague in your organization who you think might benefit from seeing this uh, short webinar, then please do feel free uh, to get them to sign up or share the details with them after. This will be available to watch on CatchUp. Tristan Young, our editor from Auto Retail, uh, will share your comments as the conversation unfolds. Uh, we've got around 40 minutes together uh, here this afternoon, so if you would like to contribute, then please do get in early. So let's set the scene. Uh, and first of all, uh, Tom Kilroy, the Chief Executive of Keyloop, specialists in digital technology, uh, in retail and, and manufacturer level. What, what are we talking about here in, in terms of the state of the digital landscape? In, in retail, Tom, in terms of the elements that are included. Let's try and get a common language here. Yeah, thanks, Al, um, and great to be here. Um, so, um, yeah, look, I think I'd start by saying that the, the way to understand the digital landscape is to start with the customer and say that anything that touches the customer is something they're experiencing as part of that landscape. And so it's important, I think, to begin with them because there are multiple ways at the moment that they receive information and look for information. Um, and I think the thing about the landscape that we've got is that it's powered by a number of data sets behind the scenes that are in the hands of different people and sometimes aren't connected. So you've got maybe agreements around, you know, data around finance, you've got data around the vehicle and its servicing, the data that might be held in the OEM app that they have on their phone nowadays. So when they're, when they're touching the, the landscape, they're doing it uh, through a number of different means, could be an app, could be a website, could actually, you know, they could get text messages, all of those things that power the digital interactions they have. Uh, and the problem at the moment is that those are behind the scenes, there's fragmented data, different data sets, and it's not all joined up. And as a result of that, customers can get quite a broken up experience depending on exactly which bit they're interacting with. And, and how digital is that journey actually today? I mean, everybody talks a good uh, talks a good story, but but of those all those elements that you you mentioned there, I mean, that's data from all different parts of the business. How joined up is that in terms of the customer journey? Well, at the moment, it's not. I don't think it is joined up, and I'm sure all of us experience that. I mean, you can have a service plan from the OEM, 
and then get different information from your retailer. And so I, mean, I actually think at the moment for most customers, there are lots of digital touch points. I mean, they, you know, in purchasing a car, people spend 14 hours on four and a half websites. And, 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 and so there's lots of different ways in which people are interacting with the sector. But actually, as you experience it yourself, you can get different messages from different places about different needs. And that, at the moment, for the customer, they can't understand why is that? But why is it different? We sometimes hear there's a, there's a term that's used, um, relevancy. I'm not sure whether that's one of the sort of the buzzwords and the jargon, but what does relevancy mean in terms of the customer? I understand the word relevant, but what does it mean in the digital sense? Well, I think it, it's all about having the right information in the hands of the right person at the right moment, whether that's your sales advisor or your service advisor. Because I think this technology is not about replacing people. It's about making people more effective at the moment in which they're interacting with the customer. So what you want to do is put the right information to the right place at the right time. That sounds simple, but it's really hard to do in practice to actually get that into the right hands at the right moment. And I think having that builds trust because if people are having an experience which is like it's consistent across the different touch points that they have, that actually encourages them to be trustful about what they're being told because it's consistent. And at the moment, I think that's, that can get broken up. It sometimes works, but it doesn't always work. Charlotte Murray from, from Marketing Delivery, you, your organization um, actually helps uh, retailers uh, and others implement and introduce the technology. Tom there has clearly set out the landscape, but what are the essential tools and processes that the retailer needs to have to be competitive in today's landscape? Sure, thanks, Tom. Um, first of all, let me say I couldn't agree with one more in terms of the a lot of the data structures that, that we see with our retailer clients. Um, for the really digital savvy guys now, they're looking really hard at the data strategies and we're working with a lot of our clients on how they can streamline those processes, bring in the integrations, identify the little hidden nuggets of data as well because Tom touched on there, you know, you might get a service plan from a different provider to um, you know, your finance and all those kind of things. There's so many different providers within that, that purchase process and the ownership process. Um, so it's about, for us, identifying with our clients where those nuggets of data are and how we can bring that together so that whichever partners you work with, we can then take the whole pot of data as one, do some magic, and then automate some communications, personalize those responses, so we're bringing the different elements of information from the different sources and use all of that to then complement that sales process again. But going back to what Tom said there, this is about complementing the existing process. It's not about doing the sales exact work for them, but it's just helping them to keep the customers warm with that, that right touch point at the right time. How much of how much though of technology is a hygiene factor because it's it's technology that underpins this and mm -hmm. and how much of it is really expected by the customer because you can have all the systems in the world but is it what the customer wants? Um, I think certainly some. I mean we 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 regularly engage with consumers in terms of what they're looking for. Um, think you know service reminders. Do they prefer service and MOT combined? Yes, they do. 40% of people would rather receive both in one than one email for a service and one for an MOT. 
Um, 59% of UK drivers told us, and I'm going back a couple of years here, but told us they would be more likely to stay engaged with dealers that send relevant stock. So, for example, we can trigger um, stock that matches a customer's inquiry. So, whichever vehicle, make, model they've inquired on, we can send them regular updates of, of new stock that's coming into the dealership. So, you, you're helping the sales exec because they've got all these open inquiries that they need to be handling. In the same breath, they've got a whole host of group stock that it's impossible to keep on top of. So we bring the two things together and and send that relevant information to the customer. So yes, you know the, the consumers are, they're telling us they're more likely to stay engaged with that kind of communication. And it's only the same, if you think the same kind of communication as you would get from another retailer. A clothing provider would send you things that were similar to perhaps what you've bought recently, that kind of thing. So I think it fits it's slightly different model with cars. You're not buying a car every every week, every month. Um, but certainly it seems to fit with what the consumers come to expect now. Interesting. Tom, just just come back to you before we go to James. There was um there was a stat I saw recently from Australia, and if I, if I get it correct, it was 94% of people uh, go online searching for a car. I, I'm not sure whether the other 6% was walk around the village looking for, for sales side, but anyway, so 94% of them look online, and then also 94% go into a retailer. So, you know, there's a huge overlay between searching online and then doing the physical going into the showroom. I just wonder, is digital transformation another word for digital advertising or is that too, too simplistic? No, I think it's a, it's a great question, but I think it is too simplistic. You're exactly right. More than 90% of people do their research online and more than 90% go into a showroom and actually more than 90% see the test drive as a critical touch point in their purchase journey. Because obviously, you know, you're talking about a car, the physical product is different from many other products uh, that you're getting or certainly services. So I think it, it needs to be both, but it needs to be persistent across both environments so that what you find online is consistent then with what you do in the, in the retailer itself when you walk into the showroom. And I think part of the problem at the moment is people almost have to start again sometimes, right? So that delinking of what they're investigating with what they then experience when they get to the showroom. So I think it is more than just digital advertising. It's about having, it's, it's about going from the four walls uh, of the dealership to managing an ecosystem as if they were inside the walls and it's part of the total experience. And I think it's got to, it's got to get to that level, especially because I do think consumer expectations have changed. I mean, you mentioned COVID bringing, I mean, it's kind of, People say it brought the future forward, which I think it has done. But they have so much digital convenience in the rest of their lives, whether it's knowing roughly when a parcel is going to get delivered at least within an hour window. Or, you know, if you live in a city, you can sit down to eat with, you know, one of you can have Chinese, one can have Italian, one can have Indian, and you can all be sitting eating together and you've ordered them all online. And I think there's, a, there's an expectation of digital convenience that I think is different now. We're talking technology in retail in the latest Auto Retail Live webinar. Uh, you're more than welcome and join in our conversation, please do. Uh, you can type in comments into the webinar uh, down below or you can send them on Twitter using the hashtag ARMLive. Please do keep those comments and questions coming in. We will come to them uh, in a few moments uh, when we've uh, talked about a couple of more topics. And 
At this point, I'd like to introduce um, our next guest, who is James Smullen. James is the finance director of Waylands. So, James, we're going to we're going to take the view from the finance office now. You might say well, we've looked at technology, which is cost, um, but you're a relatively new group, Waylands, uh, innovative, um, high profile. We might assume that you have kind of built in um, a digital first mindset into your business. What does that actually look like from a new group that's been able to start from a clean sheet of paper in terms of digital transformation? James, I'm not sure if we may have lost you uh, from the call because I'm not seeing you on the call. So um, let's move on in terms of thinking about this, this element of, of digital transformation and when we talk about transformation, Tom, the, the very term transformation implies cost and effort. So for a traditional retailer that, that has been running years, they may have been through the COVID experience of having to invest. Is there still a long way that's needed in terms of getting, getting into the next stage of development? Well, I think there is more to do, but I think it, in the end, the, the, it needs to be money that's being spent on enabling the business to be more effective. So, you know, able to sell more cars, uh, deliver more services, uh, you know, and service and after sales to people with the same number of, of people in the team. Uh, and so I think it's about, it's got to, you know, frankly, it's got to wash its own face in terms of delivering for people. And, you know, it's got to have a return on investment. But I think the reality is that, you know, there are plenty of other industries we could look at where if done carefully and thought about and not just going after shiny objects, for technology's sake. It can make a real difference in terms of delivering business outcomes. So I think I think it's all about being practical and making sure that it's actually got a clear use case that's going to be tangible and you can kind of see in front of you uh, and not just theoretical. I think that is super important. Yeah, ROI is key. James, I think we, we're able to join you now. James um, Smullen is the FD at Wayland. James, we we're just saying you're a new, uh, a new, relatively new player, uh, and one assumes that you therefore started your business with a, a digital first uh, mentality. What does that look like in, in in your business in terms of the the landscape we talked about in terms of systems and structure and the customer journey? And of course, what we. No, I think we're still, um, we're still, ah, sorry, James, you're back, yeah, go for it. Can, can you hear me now? Yeah, that's great, sorry about that, we had a slight uh, delay. Uh, good, okay, so for, yeah, for us, you're absolutely right, you know, we've we've seen sought to have an investment strategy that would give us development in technology quite quickly, and our timing for us has been quite fortunate, because some of the developments we've seen over the last three to four years have enabled us to build that into our business quite quickly. And actually, whilst we looked at COVID and it was a challenging time, I think the expansion and the speed of the development was 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 phenomenal um, from a systems perspective. And actually, it was driven by a need to survive because I think for us at the point in the businesses, that was the only way to be able to transact. Now, now we've got that fragmentation. I think the task now lies to sew it all back together, um, which is exactly Tom's point. Um, I think we do have fragmented data sets that in, you know, in combined can be extremely valuable. 
for us. But there is the other part that we've seen in that development period, which if we're looking at where the market is going, um, customers which we have been seeing looking at EVs, you know, we were into the last seven years of what will be the strongest legislation change in terms of production of vehicles. And for us, that demands a level of service for customers who are now re-educating themselves on the products that we we retail. And for us, looking at the number of brands and new new models that have been increased since 2019, we've seen a 20% increase in brand entrants in the country. We've got 22% increase in models and actually a 300% increase in EV models themselves. So actually over 66 new cars, brand new cars to our customers. And so the digital experience, which as Tom mentioned, is the first point of contact for many of our customers. That's ever important. It's crucial because we have to ensure that they have a a convenient um, method of communication with us, a speedy response, but also that the experience coming out of that is is a positive one, and we can we can tailor that um, in how we adopt our process into an individual customer. And we talked a lot, and the, the word of omni-channel has been flying around for 24, 36 months or so. But actually, I think that's now gone. We we think omni-channel it, it, that's retail. We have got an online and offline a phone, an email, all of that is now part of one selling journey. And I think that's the first point of us accepting that, um, which will enable the next point to to combine all of the assets together to make a proper customer journey. Do, do you see it as a differentiator uh, in terms of having that capability in the market? You know, does the, does the customer think, oh, you know, I've had a great experience digitally uh, with Waylands, therefore I'll stay with them rather than going to somebody else? It, it, or or is, it, is, it, is it a hygiene factor? Sorry, I didn't hear the first part of that question. Um, I think could you repeat that for me? Sorry. Yeah, sure. It, it, it's a case of is this is this investment in the in the digital transformation, as you say, omnichannel is is essentially just sales. But it but mm-hmm. is that investment a differentiator for your business? So do, do people see? Will they see? Do you believe they would see Waylands as different to a competitor who maybe hasn't got the same level of integration as you have? I, I, I would like to think so. Um, I think for us, we've—I think you may, you know, may be aware of our us, our approach around the technology, and it's around. I think the the recommendation that we would give would be around wrap the technology with people who are able to use that technology. They should go hand in hand. Um, and for us, an example of that has been on our live chat service. So we we launched a team, a digital experience team, to handle the live chat inquiries that we receive on our website. And we receive between six and seven thousand of those a year. And actually, the powerful messages that we did see coming out of that were around the quality of conversion improvements that we saw from customers who were inquiring previously answered by a bot, um, as opposed to being answered by a human being. And actually, you know, we've got such a high level of traffic visiting our site. Why shouldn't we give the same level of showroom experience to a customer who may want to interact with us via live chat? And actually, when we have looked at those details in terms of the coverage of those, actually, when we are talking about suitability to customer wants. Uh, we've got 37% of our live chat volume is outside of operating hours or at the weekend. So 28% of that is outside of operating hours. And we man that. We put our teams um, on behind the screens to make sure that a customer inquiring at 9.50, 9, 10 o'clock at night does receive the same level of show service as they would receive in a showroom. And that actually saw us double our conversion um, from a sales perspective on online inquiries pre and post that team existing so yes i'd like to think so but that's around the people and that's delivering a, you know a good level of service using the technology as opposed to the technology doing it for itself 
Can, can I ask a question? It's slightly off piece, but it's relevant about your role. I mean, you know, FD for a business. Um, looking at the and, and clearly you're into the detail and the understanding and the insight. H how important do you think that is within the business to have somebody who pays the pills really engaged and understanding um, in how technology can play a role? Because sometimes it can be a bit nebulous with, you know, sales and marketing having a view and then finance having a different view. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes back to the point around our size and scale. And there's a reason, you know, as a business for Wayland's, we wanted to be. A regional, a regional group, um, because we can maintain those levels of detail. We can be involved in the detail as closely as we want to, um, and actually make those decisions based on what would normally be, you know, a larger company's ethos in terms of the analysing of that data. But we are all, you know, John, Richard, and myself, all close enough that we can get involved in that that detail. It is important. I think there's a sweet spot um, for it, but for a business, for us, it certainly works very well. Communication across the business. Communication is the key to everything. Great. Um, I'd like to look now, Tom, and we'll come to Charlotte in a minute on this topic as well, in terms of learning from other other sectors. I mean, Tom, Keynote, big big um, tech provider, supporter across across markets, across countries. What what can we learn from other sectors when it comes to this? Are there other useful weather vanes that we can see in parallels? The, the sort of the, the lazy goal compared with Amazon, compared with John Lewis. But what are the other sectors that that you look to we can learn from? Yeah, I think there definitely are things we can learn, but I'd say at the outset, it's also important not to over-index or to understand the differences as well as the similarities. So, I mean, one I might start with, because I spent more than 10 years doing technology for that sector, is banking. Now, it's a different product, right? Because you're not talking about physical products on a car. But I'm old enough to remember, you know, back in the 90s, it was inconceivable that you get a mortgage without going to see someone. Uh, and, you know, that was very much part of the process. And now you can sit down after dinner with a glass of wine and get approved in principle, if you can find a rate that you think is acceptable, um, like in 20 minutes. Um, and so what they've done in that industry is they've taken core systems that run the general ledgers of the bank, right, and they have to work and they've got to be right, got to be able to report your numbers, and frankly, they're regulated. But they've also then wrapped them in digital capabilities that enable a different kind of experience for the customer so they can either be on a website actually doing things, not just finding out information, or they can be on an app, or they can be banking online, paying their bills, those kinds of things. Now, there is a difference, and I think it's a really important difference, which is, and we, 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 we talked about it earlier, like 90% of people still want to get to actually see a vehicle, want to test drive, and, and I, I think... Although these proportions might change a bit, and there is there may be some people who really would be prepared to just transact completely virtually, I I think we need to be careful not to over rotate and imagine just everything goes online because I just don't think that's going to happen bluntly. Um, and so, but but I do think there are important lessons to learn because they they went down that journey and I think it made it easier to interact with your bank through the tools that they now provide. We, we take pride, and we should do, in, in seeing automotive retailers as innovative, and certainly the UK on a global scale is, is really innovative. Charlotte, what, what, what are your thoughts in terms of being able to take learnings from, from other sectors? Well, personally, I've, I mean, over the years I've heard various comparisons. You know, there was a time when we were compared to property, for example. Um, I've often referred to as being similar to um, a sofa 
purchase, for example, because you want to go and you want to sit and touch and feel and you're going to be sat on it every day in the evening, so you want to make sure it's right. Um, but for us at Marketing Delivery, and, and this is a, a one of those little nuggets that I'm sure not many people actually know, but Jeremy, our chief exec and our founder, um, was actually, he worked for Boots for a long time before he joined the automotive sector. Um, and he was involved in the conception and the launch of the Advantage card, which is an absolutely superb example of how to do CRM really well. Um, and I think it was probably one of the first. I don't, I'm not sure which came first, that or the Tesco Club card. They were, I think they were neck and neck. Um, but obviously then when Jeremy came into automotive in, in the early noughties, he kind of came into this sector where we had all this data and all these reasons to keep in touch with our customers, but then was absolutely astounded to find that we weren't actually doing it particularly. Um, and we weren't certainly taking advantage of it as, as best we could. Um, and therein became the concept of marketing delivery, which launched in 2007. So we're kind of a real life example of that anyway. And it's something that we actively encourage within our, certainly within our businesses. And I would say to anybody who's, you know, who's watching today, every touch point you have, just take a moment to think. It's that stop and smell the roses and say, was this, was this a great experience or was it a not so great experience? Can I learn anything from this and can I take it away to my business? And it might be that you need to tweak it ever so slightly. And I know I mentioned the stock alert example earlier, which is kind of, for me, it feels like a hybrid of suggested alternatives and an abandoned basket. You know, you put some things in your basket, but you forgot to actually make the purchase. We kind of bring those two concepts together to present these vehicles back to the consumer. Um, but, it, but it is thinking about those things that you might get in your inbox on a daily basis or you might get by a text message on your phone and thinking, actually, have we got some data somewhere that we could we could do something similar? Because the chances are you possibly have. Um, so that that's really where we are from a other industry perspective. It's, it's mm. every industry. Um, and it's just being aware, I suppose, and... and that there are opportunities there and just identifying them at the time. Tom mentioned uh, people and technology needing to mix, you know, uh, and yeah. James mentioned, you know, wrapping, wrapping people around the technology. But Charlotte, you know, you deal with businesses up and down uh, the country and it's that people thing. You can have somebody who's really good at IT and you can have somebody at the front of the house who's really good with people. But, but what are the skills that you need in your retail business in 2023 and going forward that enable you to have that? quality experience and deliver the experience that the customer needs? Sure. So I think we feel, you know, teams obviously need to be more digitally savvy now. That, that you know, that's just a given, isn't it? And, and by nature we are because as humans in our everyday life, we're interacting digitally in other aspects of our life. So that really shouldn't, the, the days of people being afraid of the new technology seem to have, have passed, thankfully. Um, we work really, really closely with our clients and their teams, with their sales teams, with their after-sales teams, so not just the marketing team. If we're onboarding a client, we're working with everybody that our technology is going to impact at some point as they're having those conversations with the customers. So we're really about supporting those people 
in understanding how we fit into that blended process to enable the dealer to deliver a first-class customer experience, but we're supporting the individual. So we're not taking away, we're not doing the job for them. We're there to just drip feed those useful pieces of information to the customer at the right time, be it through the sales process, through the ownership, and then renewal, which is which is another touch point that we work on. Um, and we get really, really great feedback from, from clients in, in that respect, because it's, as I say, it doesn't just stop at the marketing department. And I think, you know, in the past, there's, there's sort of been that the marketing department go, oh, yeah, okay, we'll do that. That's great. But unless you take everybody on the journey with you, you're going to, at some point, you're going to hit a bump in the road. So that's kind of where we're at with the, the people perspective, yeah. I guess. Yeah. We're talking about technology and retail on the latest Auto Retail Live webinar in association with Keyloop. Your questions uh, are part of the conversation. We'll be coming to those in just a moment. Uh, we have some time left, but if you would like to raise a question or make a comment, please do so now using the uh, dialog box below, or you can use the hashtag ARNLive. We're keeping an eye across that. Before we go to the first question, James, I'd like to come back to you um, at Wayland's. And we talked uh, about people and I want to just touch on that again. How do you structure your business? We heard Charlotte saying it's not, you know, it's not the marketing department's job to do digital. Um, it's, it's everybody's job. So what does that look like in terms of delivering that customer experience from, from a Wayland's perspective? Give us an example. Yeah, of course. I think for us, we've got, we've got two components. I think we've got developing the talent within the business already. Uh, the, second, the second component is attracting new talent in. And actually those those two sit in separate silos for us. Um, and I think for us, using and you know a lot of the development in apprenticeship schemes um, in terms of digital sales and awareness of digital sales, that apprenticeship talent pool is and has been hugely beneficial for us bringing those into the business. The team I mentioned earlier in terms of the digital team have been largely filled with those, those positions. And I think we've also got an expansion of that into the sales departments themselves. So for that, bringing that talent in can bring in some of the, the, the ambassadors of this new technology that's coming in. And actually then, if you park that for one side and talk about the people who we have employed for a longer period of time before this, I think for us, a lot of our teams have already been you know, in, in indulged in that because the world has moved on. Everybody has been more involved in the last five years with technology in their own personal lives by using technology of other businesses. We're not in a bubble as a sector, although we feel like sometimes we might be. The, the, our staff and our customers also transact with other companies doing the same thing. So I think that education has evolved, you know, generally. Um, and, and that's why we've had more. It's been a lot easier for adoption of things like teams and things like, you know, digital chats and things like that. So th that has been led by some of the outside world influences that our teams are having. Um, but on top of that, we've got to continue to review and monitor the quality of those interactions because although we're talking about different channels, they require different levels of empathy. Um, you know, language in a, on a live chat it can be slightly different to a language in a formal email. And we do work quite closely with everybody to make sure that they are in, pointing in the right direction from that regard. So I think for us, there's a mixture of talent attraction and then development of, of training um, across the teams. From an after-sales side of things as well, I think those, you know, the technicians have been using video for a long, long time. And you know, whilst that gives us a level of transparency to the customer, we focus a lot on the sales side in terms of transparent pricing, transparent you know, deal stacking. Um, from a transparent EVHC process through video, 
that is a hugely beneficial tool um, that everyone should have um, in terms of demonstrating to the customer by sending them a video of which which items may or may not need replacing immediately. And that's been hugely powerful for us across every team. So there's every single team has has got technology changing and evolving, and we continue to invest in the staff to, to match it. Thanks, James. Really, really helpful. We're going to take our, our first question now. This is from uh, Peter Pedlow. Hello, Peter, um, from Volkswagen Financial Services. Thanks very much for, for getting in touch with us. Uh, Peter says, at the start of the webinar, Tom alluded to the fact that OEMs, manufacturers and dealers, have different data points on customers. So Peter's question, Tom, to you, how do we drive and deliver one view of the customer across dealer and, and OEM? Yeah, uh, it's a great question and it's an enormous challenge, but let me, let me try and give us an, an oversimplified answer. I think we have to get past the idea of people owning data about customers and get the idea that the data belongs to the customer and we pool it for their benefit. Now, that's an easy thing to say and hard to do, but in the end, right, we've got all kinds of legal constraints around data. It's a complicated field. But from a customer's point of view, what they want to know is that it's joined up and what you know about me is pulled together. And I think the idea of us seeing it as, I mean, I think talking about ownership of data is kind of a problem and it causes a mentality around, well, I've got this data, you've got that data, I own this, you own that. I think we've got to get past that and go to the stage of saying, this is the data belongs to the customer and we will pull it for their advantage and provided it is for their advantage. And technically, how does that work? Well, I think you need a unified data model. Uh, and that means that there are the, the key 360 degree views you've got to get to are a view of the customer, a view of the vehicle, and a view of the financing arrangements. I think you need to be able to see around, completely around those. And that does mean having a unified data model so you can actively uh, assess you know, within those three buckets uh, everything you need to know. Um, so, I mean, the, behind that, there's some quite complicated data structuring to do, but it does mean it does mean converging on a unified model. So, is is the the legal? I mean, you know, legal is always a great one to kick back against and use as an excuse because it can slow everything down. But is but but is GDPR or some legal um, uh, requirement a barrier, or or, or is it that's that's not really the barrier. We've got to break down the thing you talked about, the mindset. Well, it, it is currently a barrier, but it's a barrier that can be overcome with consent, right? And informed consent by the customer. They know what they're consenting to. And the, the reality is, as a sector, we've got too many customers. We don't have those consents given. And actually, digital tools can help prompt the moment of consent uh, in the journey, right? So that we can end up with a customer who's got the right consent levels given so that they can. Now, it's important that they know what's being done with it. It needs to be clear and not legalistic. But there's no reason why uh, we couldn't capture that. And I think it depends then if it's helpful. If it's helpful, then you know things about me, like my finance agreement's coming to an end. You know, this is the kind of car I expressed an interest in before when I came in. If that's brought together, um, then, then customers will want it. Another one for you quickly, Tom, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go to Charlotte. But um, Philip uh, Krawczyk, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Philip. Hi, Philip, from your Ford Centre. Uh, he says, what implications might AI, artificial intelligence, bring to the customer experience, Tom? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be um, very significant. Um, for anyone who hasn't been and tried one of the large language models like 
you know, ChatGPT, uh, you know, I really recommend you go and do it. It is amazing what the quality of the answers that you can get back from these tools now. And I think in the interface between customers and retailers, that this is going to be very important because actually it can be a way of handling customers well and augmenting the, uh, you know, the, the staff in the, in the retailer with the AI tools. And I've seen examples of this being trialed. I know some retailers are already looking at this and it, it, I think it's super interesting. It's coming. Um, Charlotte Murray from Marketing Delivery. Question for you from uh, Rianne Gibson from Renault UK. Hi, Rianne. Um, what do retailers need from the manufacturer to make digital transformation a success? Oh, good one. Hi, Rianne. Thank you for that. Um, I think <laughs> there's so many, to, but the, the primary piece for me, and it goes back to again, which is the key of what we're talking about, is this streamlining of data. So access to the necessary data to be able to, as Tom alluded to there, pull it together somewhere, which is a lot of what we are already doing for clients. So we will take customer data, we will take vehicle data, we will tell, take finance data. And as I say, we we um, do the carving up of the data as required to send those communications. Um, I think the other thing from manufacturers um, and where we do have some success is, well, quite a significant success to be fair, um, some manufacturers choose um, marketing delivery to support with campaigns for their dealer networks purely for campaign activity. So they're not necessarily a CRM client of ours but they can use marketing delivery. So we do get assets from some of the OEMs for the quarterly activity. Sorry, what, what does that mean? So give, give, give me an example. What, what, does that, what does that look like? Sure. So, for example, um, you could be a, a Renault dealer. You, you're not an existing client of marketing delivery, for example. Um, but Renault have a sales campaign that they're going to run at the start of the quarter. It might be a finance offer. It could be service plan inclusive so on and so forth. Oftentimes what we see with some OEMs, they send us the assets for their campaigns to then run the campaigns on behalf of their dealer network. So the dealer client then sends their data to us, which is very, very simple for us okay. to set up. We take the data, we run the campaign. So we do see some OEMs supporting the dealers with the campaign activity in that way, which is, is different to the, the usual kind of activity. So there's there's different opportunities there, I guess. Great, James. I'm going to I'm going to flip to you because obviously um, it's it's like a pub quiz now. I remember Wayland's MG, uh, Volvo, uh, and now I'm struggling. So you have to tell me your other brands. But you clearly work <laughs> with a range of brands, and they must have different ways, I presume, of interacting. What's best uh, best practice in your experience uh, from an, an OEM helping you as a retailer? I think Kia and MG were the two that we needed to add on the list there, so that we're starting to make those, make those guys mentioned as well. I think for us, um, it's the best practices we, we've seen. I think all of the brands have great strengths, uh, and each of them are slightly different. I think we've obviously got different selling methodologies that some of the brands have gone down the roots of um, when, you, when you look at Polestar and Volvo against you know MG and Kia. So I think there's a slightly different view from each of them. I, I think the transparency with all of those brands is the, is the strongest, most important part for us. And I think we talked a lot about data sharing um, earlier on and Tom talked about that. Um, we, we also you know, have that, that's the most important best practice and all of them have got that 
um, throughout threaded throughout the organizations. And for us, that allows us to service those customers best. Um, and that's what we are ultimately here to do in terms of in as a retailer between a manufacturer and, and a customer. So I think from that, the, 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 open, the open data sharing process has got to be key. Okay, great. Charlotte, can I come back to you? Um, and No, sorry, Tom, I'm going to come to you for this question, actually. Um, from Michelle Breffitt uh, from Women Drive Electric. Hi, Michelle. Uh, a recent auto trader survey, they're getting a few mentions today, aren't they, uh, reveals that women can often find car websites overwhelming. What examples are there of organizations taking steps to improve women's perception of car buying? Tom, what have you seen in your experience? Yeah, um, so it's a very, really interesting question. Um, look, I think the, if you look at the data, it does say that, right? There are, it, it, it has gradients in it by both uh, gender and also by age in terms of what people uh, think about the sector and, and how they interact with it. Um, and I think those are true and broadly, um, it is true to say that a lot of uh, interactions that women have with the sector uh, aren't what they want and don't go well. But, but, but I, I think it's too much just to generalize, right? I mean, I, I can think of, you know, female car buyers who want the full experience with the whole handover and, the, you know, and all of the technical details of the vehicle that they're getting. And equally, I know, uh, you know, male car buyers who you wouldn't understand anything past the rubber mats in the car. And, and I just think that the reality is we've got to treat everybody as an individual. Some people want convenience. Some people want a high-touch experience. Some people want, you know, like a high-tech experience. And I just think... The ability to tailor that, I mean, look, allowing for the fact that you're right, there are those gradients, they do exist, they're real, but within them, you've got a whole load of individuals that are looking for a particular experience. I just think it's super important for us to be able to provide that for that individual. Treat every customer as individual. Charlotte, back to you for a question from Matt Crow from Jato. Hi, Matt. Uh, Matt says, obviously, we've heard, you know, most customers, 94% of customers start their car buying journey online. In your experience, do you think dealers are maximizing the presence using data uh, or not? I think our clients are. I have to say that. There's <laughs> um, <laughs> your free plug over. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, do I think all dealers are? I'm pretty confident that there's plenty out there that unfortunately are not. Um, and, and I think, you know, the thing we talked about ROI earlier and, and one of the things that was kind of in my mind at that point was certainly with everything we do, we're contacting the customer at the right time with the right information. I, you know, sound like a broken record, same thing over and over. But also what we're doing is we're maximizing that marketing budget and your advertising budget because we're keeping hold of those leads and helping you convert more leads with less effort if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, you, you spend a lot of money on those classified inquiries, so let's let's help maximize them for you. Um, and as I say, we, we will work with each dealer client on a case-by-case -case basis to understand what data they have, where they have it, and how we can help bring it together and get the best from it. That's, that's ultimately our ambition. Okay, thanks, Charlotte. James? Uh, quick fire one, actually, it's it's Rian um, from Renault UK again. Rian, hi. Um, who wants to know if there are any trends in the type of customers that have more of an expectation of a digital journey? Have you got any any data experience, uh, James, that would support that? 
Thanks, Rune. I think we, we've been looking at this quite closely. Um, and I think the general consensus, the expectation of digital journeys has increased overall significantly. Um, I think, however, having said that, I think we would look at the customers looking at an EV um, specifically have got a greater, as we talked a little bit earlier on about website visits and inquiry and uh, in, in investigations into what is for them a brand new type of product that they're purchasing, an EV that may be their first adopter. Um, and actually for them, I think that demands a higher level of online um, experience, particularly because that's where they will be spending most of their time doing the research. We we saw for a long time the showroom visits um, per sale decreasing, and actually that started to come back up. And that's been off, uh, driven from, we believe, the new product and just the sheer scale of the change that going into an EV would give a consumer. And actually for an emotive purchase such as a car, you need to still sit in and touch touch that vehicle. There's a lot of there's a lot of products that you could buy remotely, digitally, without having a transaction, but we're seeing that still very, very low um, in terms of 96%, 97% of all of our transactions have either had communications with the sales team in the site or have come in to buy this, you know, from, from the business itself. So I think, I think to answer the question, I think we'd see more of that coming from the EV side of customers, um, and that's because they're spending a lot more time researching um, than previous customers may have done. Great. A quick tour of uh, our panelists with a, a practical tip to take away from our conversation because our time uh, together is nearly over. Tom, can I turn to you? Um, Tom is the chief exec of Keylip, Tom Kilroy. What would your takeaway, your one thing to take away from today and do something about? Well, it's a, it's a really simple one. Um, I think um, try being your own customer. I know it's, a, it's an old technique, but sign up for all the digital tools that you're providing for customers. Actually try bit of mystery shopping yourself. I might do it periodically for our own business. I'll phone our support lines, be a customer, see what happens. And sometimes the difference between what's meant to happen and what is actually happening is quite revealing. So it's, it's a simple thing, I think, just a bit of mystery shopping. Road test the business, like it. Charlotte Murray from Marketing Delivery, what's your takeaway tip? Uh, we want to see you really looking at your data strategy and looking for those opportunities customer stock update process that I talked about earlier, you know, help your sales execs deliver a better experience, but by using technology to support the journey. Find ways of maximising what you've got. Okay. And James, yeah. what's, uh, what's the tip from Wayland's? I think from us, take a cold look at the all of the systems and put, you know, uh, data streams that you have across your business. Go from the bottom to the top. And you will be surprised at how much duplicate there, and duplication there is amongst those processes. And that should be your first steering point. Um, but when you do identify a plan, don't rush. Make sure that actually you've got the job done well. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for tech, but it's not very valuable without executing it properly. And that will give you the best, the best solution for your business and your customer. Jason Mullen from Waylands, thank you. Well, thank you uh, for joining us on our Auto Retail Live webinar, uh, looking at technology in retail. We'll follow up uh, this webinar. You'll get an email in the next fortnight with the very latest uh, digital technology report from Keyloop. And until next time, on behalf of Tristan Young, the editor, editorial director at Auto Retail Live, goodbye. <laughs>